You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another victorious episode of Doing the Work, the first show on the Back Home Network covering IU women's basketball. This is our 109th episode recorded on Friday, February 23rd, 2024. I'm your host, Jeff Marlowe, joined tonight by a special guest, the coach, Brian Tonsoni. And tonight, we're going to be breaking down a huge win by your number 14-16 Indiana Hoosiers, 86-69 to over the number four Iowa Hawkeyes. That brings the IU women's record record to 22 and 4, 13 and 3 in the league. And we're going to start out tonight the way we do every show, and that's with our banner moment. And coach, I'm actually going to, I'm not going to pick a player. I'm not going to pick a play. I'm going to throw the banner moment out to the 17,000 plus fans who showed up last night, brought the energy. They were, they were, they were going nuts. They were into every play. They were just, it was like an old time assembly hall crowd. And I saw that mentioned several times on Twitter last night, this morning, excuse me, X, I saw it in the Substack feed. So the banner moment for me is going, it's going out to the 17,000 plus who whited out assembly hall last night and made that place a very, very tough place to play. And as our banner moments brought to you by home field apparel presenting sponsor of the back home network, which includes the assembly call and crimson cast home field is constantly releasing new schools or updating their products for schools in their existing line. You're bound to find something for you or anyone in your life that just loves great collegiate gear, or probably like coach, you're out buying some of that Hendrick gear that they're now, you know, getting with some NASCAR stuff. Not only do you get quality apparel, but you're also supporting an Indiana based business that has its roots in the Kelly school of business. Go to homefieldapparel.com, use our promo code HOME23, that's H-O-M-E-2-3, to get 15% off your entire first order. That's promo code HOME23 for 15% off. Once again, the website is homefieldapparel.com. Wear one for the team. All right, we're going to throw it over to Coach here for Coach Tonsoni in the Coach's Corner and get his initial thoughts about last night's game. Well, Coach, it's uh, just thanks for having me on. Uh, I got to cover, you know, for Kathy, who's lounging on the beach somewhere, you know, having a nice little uh, drinking celebration of an outstanding win by the Indiana women. And, and so I'm honored to be on, and I'm honored to be able to talk about it. Jared and I were so excited about the win last night, we just went on and kind of riffed, uh, freelanced, but now we're going to do a more complete show here on doing the work. It's an honor to be here. I just thought it was an absolute um, awesome performance and an awesome display of toughness. You, you go all the way down the lineup, including the coaching staff, and Indiana took care, took care of home court with extreme toughness, defense, and rebounding. Add some block shots in. Obviously, some really good offensive performances from the Lady Hoosiers, but they just took it to an outstanding player. And I know that it's controversial and a lot of people don't like uh, Caitlin Clark. She is an outstanding uh, basketball player, but Indiana took her off her game. She still had a, a pretty solid line for most 
humans who play basketball. But she didn't have the incredible uh, stat line. And it really showed that she was shook in that fourth quarter when when her last uh, basket came in the nine-minute mark. And you really are fearful when you're up 10 or 12 going into the fourth quarter and you have a player of that caliber who could just get hot no matter what you do. But the Indiana Hoosiers just constantly, constantly put pressure on there. And I agree with you. The fans were were incredible to, to show up in that kind of uh, numbers. Obviously, Caitlin Clark brought some extra numbers in, but the Indiana women's program is sixth in the nation. Don't mm-hmm. Everyone's saying it was all Caitlin Clark. No, it was Indiana Hoosiers – program who brought people to the game and it just an, maybe a, a few more Indiana Hoosier fans came because of that but that was a, a hostile environment yesterday and as a way Assembly Hall should be for basketball so kudos to uh, the women they just they play basketball the right way coach Morin does a lot of good things I'm interested to talk to you about the adjustments going into the fourth quarter I thought were really outstanding by coach Morin outstanding performance uh, congratulations uh, to the women's basketball team, and let's get that protected seed and host those first two rounds. Yeah, I agree. And coach, I just want to talk before we get into some of the pivotal plays. How about um, I just the game was chippy, but I didn't think that was a bad thing. I I, I kind of like the fact that IU didn't back down. I, I think one of the things I wrote down um, was there was a situation there. I believe it was in the first half. Yeah, in the about eight eight minutes twenty seconds to go in the first half where. Yarden got called for a foul and she was kind of like, what? I don't, you know, again, every player does that anymore. Kind of like what I do. And Clark kind of said something back to her and she went right back at her. It was like, well, I wasn't talking to you, you know? And I, I love that. I love that feistiness that the team brought last night. Now you got to temper it a little bit. You can't have it, you know, get out of control, but I thought it really, it spoke to me about how ready they were for the game. What'd you think? I, I absolutely agree. Uh, greatness has an edge. And I know uh, Caitlin bothers a lot of people with her edge. Angel Reese at LSU bothers people with her edge. But greatness has that edge. And a lot of times it does go overboard. And I thought Caitlin was talking to the bench, talking to the people. Yeah. And you got to answer Chirpy with Chirpy. You can't be intimidated by great players who have that kind of attitude. You answer it with your uh, confidence and your cockiness right back. And tempered is the is a great word. You can't go overboard and get out of your your head because then someone like that wins. But you can't just let someone like that go either. It's our home court. You cannot talk to us that way. You cannot talk to our coaching staff that way. We're going to come after you. And Yarden set the tone there early in the second quarter, I believe. And, mm. and Clark, uh, I think, had 14, 15 points in the first quarter, 13, something like that. And she ends up with 24. So she didn't like that. Uh, Caitlin didn't like it. And, and you know what, Caitlin, you're not the only one who can play basketball. Uh, there's a lot of women on the Indiana roster that can play basketball too. And we just showed you, and we're going to tell you, we can play basketball. I'm a, I, you have to play with that. Now I know I'm not a popular collar guy. Look at me, all the fancy stuff, but I am for, Hey, this is my court. These are my teammates. That's my coaching staff. You're not going to come in here and act like that without us responding. And I think that was a big part of why the Indiana women won last night. Absolutely agree. Yeah, I thought they had a – I really liked the edge they brought into it. So, Coach, let's go ahead and jump into some of the pivotal plays here. And Since you're the guest tonight, I'll let you go first. Man, there's tons. Uh, you, you have a, a yes. bunch of, in, in, in the run sheet. But I, I just thought – I'm going to focus on Mackenzie Holmes. Uh, Indiana did some nice work when they needed to to get the ball into Holmes. They did it in the break and found her in the break. 
they were able to work the ball around and get it into the post at times. And, and that was the focus of Iowa's defense. Iowa was playing multiple, multiple defense, sagging man-to-man off of people, try, front and back uh, all the time. Later in the game, went to zone. But I thought Indiana did a nice job when they needed it to get some key baskets uh, from their star player. I thought that was a pivotal place in, in a bunch, not one in particular. I thought, um, you hey, know, there was – Hey, real quick before you move on there, I just thought I I want to kind of jump in on that. I thought McKenzie did an excellent job of rim running last night. Yes, yeah, and that's especially what I mentioned there in transition of getting ahead of the action. Uh, and the the ladies just did a nice job of finding her. Yep. But you go to your clutch player in, in in key times. That first quarter, Indiana got out to lead. Then Iowa was up a little bit. Boom, it goes inside, and they found a way to go inside, even though that was uh, trying to be. Um, taken away. I, I wrote down here before the first uh, in the first quarter. Holmes had two big baskets at, at key moments in that in that first quarter. I wrote down fast break to Holmes. That's that rim runner that you're talking about. Those are really key plays in a 23-22 uh, first quarter. Uh, I believe that was the first quarter. Uh, yeah. My notes get a little sloppy here, but I, I think that was key. And yet you have plays. Uh, I'm just talking first quarter right now. Asterica uh, starts the game with five points, coming out playing with a lot of confidence, getting that crowd going. I, I think those were a key offensive plays. And, and, you know, I thought that the pickup early was very important on Clark defensively. So let's go to the defensive side, Coach. There was a couple times where they didn't pick her up early and she got in for a layup, got in for an assist, had that little nice little lean into someone, contact, step back three. But Indiana did a nice job uh, – of picking her up early so she wouldn't just walk into those logo threes. But they also did a nice job of uh, top blocking her or or face guarding her, screens jumping out, early touch and close touch uh, so she couldn't get shots off. So many pivotal plays uh, there um, yeah. with, with, with that uh, early. But I thought the um, – let me see just some other plays. I know you have some listed, and I want to just go off of yours. You don't I have to go off in, mine. I just I, that's kind of a free form thing we do. Is it was kind yeah, of put in so, some place, but we don't use them all. But I, I thought, um, you know, Yarden just hit big shots throughout the whole game. I, I have it written down. I don't have a timestamp on it that she hit a three here in the in the second quarter. That was huge. Um, I, I thought that was that was fantastic. I thought the bench played really well too, and put, had some pivotal plays in moving the basketball. I don't know the the stats necessarily, but the ball was getting reversed really well when um, the, the the subs were, were in on that. So those were the first uh, that I thought. I thought there were some key defensive plays with some blocks. Uh, and again, I want to go look at the run sheet. You had some of those mentioned here. Uh, the defense set the tone uh, for for Indiana. You had three thirty seven a, a four shot clock in in the second quarter. Uh, Holmes block on on the on the post player for Iowa at six fifty two. Uh, th- those plays are huge momentum plays. Three oh seven nine oh seven of the third quarter. Uh, offensive foul on Clark and, and Max still blocks the shot and then chases after her and stares her down a little bit. Right. So defensively, we we I always focus on offense as a fan and even sometimes I think as coaches we focus on offense. I think the game was won defensively with those plays on how they jumped out and, and made the catches tough, uh, all of those plays. And then the block shots were very pivotal as well. 
Yeah, nine block shots, even though we're not talking about the numbers yet. Nine block shots for the game. I, I'm going to go back to the defense a little bit, Coach, because I really liked um, the different defenses. They were doing. They even played some box and one. Now, you know Iowa's seen box and one with Caitlin Clark, but that you know, it, it just showing them something different. And I love the face guard. This was something we did a lot at Rensselaer when I was coaching here. We, again, the high school court, that extra five feet that you lose – in the high school game and the half court, because the the NCAA court's 10 feet longer, you know, it makes it a little easier to face guard, but I've, I've, we've talked about this in some of the AC shows, like just face guard somebody, make it tough for them to catch it, make them have to work to get open. Then they get tired. I, I really felt the defense was solid last night. And, and we talked a little bit about, um, or not we, but they talked in the broadcast about they kept harping the back that Iowa was number one in the country at 92 points a game, almost 93 points a game. We held them to 69. So yeah. the defense was locked in. And and I think, I, too, I, Coach, the defense on the alternate players, too, other than Caitlin Clark, yes. they were good on the closeouts. Only once in that box and one did Iowa really run something efficiently, and they got a little overload on the baseline. Uh, the three against two on the baseline of the box and got a layup, I think, was really nice. That's why Iowa's the number four team. They run good stuff as well. But I thought the recovery to three-point shooters and I think defensive rebounding was important. When you are really face-guarding a main player and the ball gets swung and there are long shots and there are open shots, there are open people for rebounds. And Indiana did not give up too many second-chance points and I thought that the the rebounds were were very very important as well. I, I do want to go back and get your opinion on. I think the key play of the game was in the fourth quarter um, to start the fourth quarter. Indiana had struggled against the zone, short of Sydney Parish's two three. So it was down to eleven. Then it went back to seventeen. But then it got down to eleven, and the offense was somewhat stagnant. And they were taking a lot of outside shots and missing. And whatever happened on that staff, Morin and staff in the second half, they decided to screen the zone. The first play was a little ball screen on the point, and, and they got into the lane. I think Yarden hit a two, uh, like a 12-foot two. And then mm -hmm. later they ran a center screen, which ended up being a foul because the Iowa post defender fouled. But they screened – they run a little action where they screen the center and bring a, a player underneath uh, with an undercut or overcut or whatever your terminology is. And then that opened up a three-point shot for Yarden uh, at, in the fourth quarter. So all of a sudden now that 10-point, that 11-point lead and struggle against the zone, Indiana got their confidence because of the play calls of Coach Moore. And that is the kind of adjustments a good coach makes. And then all of a sudden Iowa had to go back man. And while it was a ball game still, you're still in question, you know, a little bit. The game you could breathe a little bit because what was happening to hurt Indiana was taken away by the coaching uh decisions to screen against the zone. I, I thought that was a key pivotal play in the win. Yeah. And that's something I really started to do a little bit more toward the end of my career. I, I, I was kind of like the old classic Bob Knight. You got to get in the gaps, talk about the perpendiculars and all that. But we started doing a lot more of the kind of iso. I refer to as iso philosophy, where you screen the zone to really try and 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 create a situation and over or you know create a two on one, three on two type situation. I want to go back real quick, Coach. I thought, and it, again, it wasn't just Mac. Obviously, Mac gets a lot of the benefit of it. But I thought the coaching staff felt like they had some real matchup things that they could use. Um, Sarah Scalia was being aggressive. They took, they tried to post her up a couple times. They posted up Jules Lamondola a couple times. They really felt like they had a size advantage. And I liked the fact 
that they were willing to stick to the game plan and really try to execute that because I don't think Iowa was quite ready for that. I think Iowa was thinking Indiana would have Mac inside, but then the rest of them would all kind of be out around the arc looking to shoot jump shots for the most part. And I thought the idea of trying to get the others posted up, I even posted up yard in a couple of times. I thought that, that, that made some tough matchups for some of those Iowa players because they just didn't have the size with Yarden or a Jules, especially. And then Sarah is just such a, a, an aggressive personality when she decides to drive uh, with that. Um, I'm going to go back into the third quarter. Also, coach, can I get your thought about this? You know, for a kid that's been out for about, you know, she came back for a little bit, six minutes on Monday against Illinois, but Sydney Parrish back-to-back threes in the third quarter, I thought were huge because again, kind of that situation where Iowa had been on a little bit of a run, and now Sydney, again, who is a very good shooter, and then Sydney just brings a little. She brings a toughness. She's another one. She kind she has that look of like you know she's all sweet and nice. But Sydney, you know, Sydney's going to stomp on you if she has to win a ball game, and I, and I love that. I and and so you know to see Sydney Parrish be able to knock down shots, you know, just bodes well for this team as it heads toward the NCAA tournament. The getting her back healthy and being able to do that. What did you kind of think of Sydney's game last night? I thought she did a lot of things that aren't necessarily box score things throughout the game to start, and then those two shots were important. So let's talk. Start with those two two shots. Indiana was struggling uh, against that uh, zone, and you just thought that okay, this could be the situation where if they get it down to six, seven, or eight, and then Clark goes crazy, this is how Indiana could be in trouble. But she hit two shots to kind of stem the tide there in the middle. I think were huge. They were open. She had her feet set. She was prepared to shoot, confident to shoot. She's been encouraged by the coaching staff to shoot, and she knocked them down. And then the emotion. Uh, after we get done, too, I want to talk about the emotion uh, that the women played with. I thought it was absolutely fantastic and added to the win. But she was good in the first half without scoring. I wrote down, and I didn't t- timestamp these, but there was one assist that she uh, drove the middle of the lane and the help came up and McKenzie was open and just a nice little pass. Uh, it was pretty wide open, but still you got to make the pass. And it led to a basket at a key time. And she tracked down an offensive rebound that led to a basket too, with just that pure toughness that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. So I had written down Sydney was contributing and in the first half before she hits those two big threes, which were which were really, really vital as well. So, yeah, she was playing well. It's nice to see her get back into a rhythm that she was in before she got hurt, and she'll be really important uh, in the Big Ten finish of the regular season, the, the conference tournament, and then the NCAA as well. And then also – this goes back to what you're talking about. And I don't know whether Terry Morin actually called it or whether it's just the kids understanding uh, Sydney hit two threes in a row. And as Eagle eye points out here in the workaholics, they got it back around to her on the next possession. And she let another one fly. Now she missed it. And my first, his instinct was heat check, but I was okay with that shot. She had just hit two and the kids, the players knew enough to find her, try to rotate the ball to her. And get her another shot because, again, you and I coaching, at least I know I did, and I watched you a few times when you were coaching in your career, you know, kind of from afar, that, you know, you were going to, you know, get the ball to the person with the hot hand. You'll milk it until you, you know, until they miss. And I, and I really like that, you know, aspect of it. Um, I also want to go back to Mac real quick. I thought Mac on the defensive end was as well, as good as I've seen her really all year. I can't say it was her best game defensively, but it's right there with it. This That performance last night, the nine rebounds, four blocks is what made her the defensive player of the year in the Big Ten last year. 
and it just yeah. hasn't quite been there. Going back to Sydney's third shot, you want your best players taking that shot. It was a heat check. It was a little deep. It probably isn't one you draw up on the whiteboard in, in practice, but after you hit two, uh, you get to earn it, Sydney, and take it. And then, all right, let's get back into our regular regular action. I have no issue with that whatsoever because if you don't have that then then you start you, know, you got to reward the hot hand at that point uh, mac was outstanding her position her strength uh, the hand straight up and then pursuing the rebound and just her all all around toughness inside the lane the block shots were were huge it, you know it's a different game the women's game it's not above the rim blocking shots and dunks but you can still protect the lane and protect the basket and have rim protection in the women's game, and she was a menace there for the Iowa Hawkeyes, uh, physically with the stats, but then also mentally because she didn't. She was serious about not wanting to lose again. She doesn't like losing after Illinois. It wasn't a good performance by the women's team, and and you can tell that those ladies really buckled down and said it's not going to happen again. And it could have really easily against a quality mm-hmm. team, the number four team in the country, to bounce back from a loss. You need good leadership from your best players. And McKenzie showed that by her play and by her attitude. Yeah, I I totally agree with that. Um, Real quick, coach, I'm going to go to a couple plays back to back. I think I had them for me. Game's still kind of in that 10-point range, and you're still kind of thinking, you know, Caitlin Clark can go off real quick here. Right. And Chloe Moore McNeil dribble penetrates. They, They help up. And Max wide open for a base, you know, basically for a layup. That that's it, it gets the lead back to eleven. Then the next possession down, just again. And I was a shooter in high school, and I was not nearly as good as Sarah Scalia, but just the ice water in her veins. Because when we're two minutes to go, if you miss the shot, you're giving them an opportunity to come back down and maybe get it to an eight to seven six point type game. But Sarah Scalia, a dagger three from the right wing, and at that point, then I was kind of like. Yeah, if I was doing my, you know, my Seth Davis impersonation, I would have been like Sharpie because I just, yeah. at that point then, once she hit the three, I just, uh, boom, it was done. It, there, there wasn't going to be enough time and possessions, I didn't think, for um, for Iowa. Just kind of what you think about Sarah's shot there on that three. Yeah, I, I think she was outstanding all game long uh, with key baskets. I, as I said, to get the game started right. with confidence. Uh, all, all of the women shoot with confidence. It, it's just good to see. You know, they're not afraid of shots. And, and sometimes you're like, oh, is that a good shot? And then you think like, yeah, it is because the girls are confident, you know, you know, whether it's early or not. And then if they miss a few, then they run some different action. They get the ball to Mac, which is what uh, Chloe did there in that play that you mentioned prior uh, with a nice little uh, bounce pass. And that, that goes back to my first comment about how Indiana got the ball to Mac when they needed to at key situations to keep the game at a comfortable margin. But the other players hit big shots all all night long and made big plays on, on both ends. And and Sarah, that shot, yeah, that finally was, okay, now we can breathe a little bit uh, easier because you always were afraid of, you know, three or four possessions of Caitlin Clark at her craziest, uh, I mean, can shoot from range. You always were worried uh, about that against uh, her and the Iowa Hawkeyes. So big shot. But there were big shots from her all night long, big shots from Yarden all night long. Mac played well, and we talked about uh, Sydney. I mean, that, you know, and then Chloe just had a good all-around all game, and then the bench did what the bench had to do. It was just what you have to do to upset top-ranked teams in Assembly Hall, 
uh, the women were able to accomplish that. Coach, I'm going to throw it back to you right now. You want to talk real quick. We'll leave it here in the pivotal place, but you want to talk about the emotion that the kids played with. Yeah, it was just – we talked about it, about not taking the crap uh, from Caitlin Clark. That was a piece of it too. But the game of basketball – and winning helps. I'm not going to lie. Winning basketball mm-hmm. games, and then when you make shots, that's you are going to get fired up and, and, and throw your fist up in the air and, and shout out a little bit. And you know what? I love Sarah's technical. I don't want my players or anyone to get technicals. I don't believe – got to believe like you've been there before, act like you've been there before. But in this situation, I don't even think it deserved it, to be honest with you. No. There's a little bit too much of that. you got, you got to have a little bit of, you know, a playground talk in the game of basketball. The game of basketball is meant to be fun. Now, you got to work hard and you got to be serious – but you got to enjoy what you're doing. When you play with that kind of uh, attitude and emotion and passion, I saw passion last night, Coach. I, I saw a team that wasn't happy with the loss at Illinois but played with passion and was enjoying what each one of their teammates were, was doing, enjoying the crowd, and just it added to their play. And there's no guarantee. You can play with emotion. You can want to win all you want. You can enjoy your teammates and get beat. I'm sure that's what happened on Monday in Champaign. But I thought that they were really, really, really uh, outstanding, um, outstanding last night. Uh, motion and, and go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. No, I, I think it also helps when your best player in a press conference after a loss basically says, "I hate losing." You know, right. And I just I feel like that set the tone. They said they had a couple really good practices. I want to throw this back to you, but then, and I'll kind of give you my thoughts after I get yours. They mentioned on the postgame show last night, Terry Morin did, that the kids had a players-only meeting and and felt like, you know, maybe some things – I hate to use the word – say hashed out, but interesting that, you know, for a pretty veteran team that they felt that even here this late in the season at 21-4, and four, and that was one of the things that we were really kind of struggling with here on doing the work and some of the fan base. We're so used to this team winning and being good to, to go to Illinois – and lose the way they did, which just seems so out of character, so disappointing. But we talked about this in the preview after the Northwestern, or excuse me, after the uh, Wisconsin game. Illinois has talent. They've underachieved this year, but they have talent. This is, Illinois is a team that a lot of people thought was going to be a top four or five team in the league, and they've just underachieved. But they put it all together against IU on Monday afternoon and, and made us look bad. But I, I kind of go back – to max comment they hate to lose then they had a players only meeting and i got a feeling that some of that players only meeting was mostly about look for us to get where we want to go we gotta we gotta win and we we can't we can't have any more losses because you know obviously you're you're trying to get that that host seed you're trying to stay in that top four top 16 however you want to phrase it but they i just love that because i kind of i kind of was the way i grew up i i was you know, kind of instilled in me by my brothers, my parents, that you, if you play, you play to win. And I always liked Jimmy Connors. I don't think he was the one who came up with it originally, but he, I heard it from him a couple of times growing up playing tennis. I hate losing more than I like winning. And I thought I saw some of that last night from the players. They, like, we're, you know, losing sucks, and we're not going to yeah. do this anymore. There, there's a couple things. Uh, every coach wants good team chemistry in a, in a player-led locker room, and, and you try to coach it, but it's really organic. It, it's mm-hmm. about the 
the the kids in the locker room, how they gel, how much of their attitude is towards that. And in, in today's society, a lot of that toughness and, and team leadership thing is a struggle. You just got to kind of flip your coin as a coach and hope. But it also takes a good coach to allow that to happen and not have an ego who and worrying about what's going on with, with your players in a players-only meeting. And to be 21 and 4 and want to have a meeting – you could say, oh, we're having a great season. We're going to be a four or five seed. We're okay with that. No, it's not okay. You lose. Good teams lose. Arizona just lost in the men's side to Washington State at home for the second time. I'm sure their fans are devastating everything, but they're still a good team, right? right. You don't you don't become a bad team because you lose. You just had a bad performance. Well, the women had a bad performance. But when your players aren't are the ones who are saying it's not acceptable – because a coach is always going to do that. And the players have a meeting, and then the coach allows that to happen. It's just a sign of a really good program. A good culture has been built mm-hmm. by Terry Morin over the years. And to all the women who have gone before and laid that uh, path down, this is the result. Uh, we lose Grace Berger, and we still are 22-4 and four and just beat the number four team and are going to have a chance at a top-protected seed. It's, it's a, a program that is established and does the right thing. And they were rewarded with all of that effort and that, that concern about uh, winning over losing by, uh, by putting forth a, a good effort. And, yeah, and getting and the I, win. I, yeah. And I totally agree with you. It helps when you get the win after that players only meeting, I, that obviously helps yeah. the narrative on yeah. it, but, but I totally agree with everything you said. And I think it just also talks a little bit about sometimes we get some questions about what, what coach Morin does in recruiting. Why? Cause at times this team, not just this team, really the last two, three years, since we've started doing the show, athletic guards who like to drive, give them problems. And that's kind of what they had at Illinois on Monday. And people are like, well, what's she recruiting? What's she doing recruiting? I think again, you may not like it, in terms of, of a fan base, but as a former coach, I do respect it. And I do kind of like, and I like it at least appreciate the way it is. She's, she, she recruits to her culture. She's not chasing high, you know, she wants the best talent she can get, but she's not chasing a top 10 national ranked kid, especially if she doesn't think they'll fit into the culture. And we've talked with Chloe Moore McNeil on the, on here before we've talked with Lene Beaumont. We obviously I had the Grace Berger show a couple of years ago and all three of them kept coming back time and time again. And when we talked with them that it's, it's, there's a real family atmosphere. And that was that players only meeting. It happens because you have a culture like that. You have a culture where everybody's going to go into that locker room and they're going to respect each other. But they also, in my opinion, I want to get your, your thoughts on this. There's going to be a hierarchy there. The seniors may go first, they may go last, but they're going to be the ones who you listen to and you're going to be kind of like they're setting the tone. And they might be the only ones that speak. I'm just kind of, you know, going off of the things that, you know, happened in my career and from when I played to when I was, you know, a head coach. And, and stuff. And so, but yeah, I, I think that just talks to, as you mentioned, the culture that's created and the family culture. And yes, sometimes families bicker and argue, but you get them together in a room. And I think also um, one of the things I would have been as a player that I would have been time maybe mentioning a little bit is, Hey, it's us. This is it. And nobody else coming in here to help us. It's us. And it's us against the world the rest of the way. You know, and kind of, and again, you're, I'm going to show my history buff in me. It's that kind of that old Al Davis philosophy with the Raiders. It's us against the entire NFL. We don't care who we're taking on. And and so, I, I again, I think that that really speaks well to the leadership and to the culture uh, of the team. What do you think? Yeah, I, I I totally agree. It just 
it was um, they were very united uh, on the court, mm-hmm. in, offensively, defensively, during huddles, communicating uh, in their huddles and free throws and all of those situations. And it just it's just important. It, it just really is important when you have a program uh, that that is, has to be successful. You have to have a program that has that. And if you don't have that, you're going to have some ups and downs, and you're always going to have uh, some struggles uh, on the court uh, if you don't have it. And just it's just a credit. It was just a fun night all, all the way around uh, to see yes. see that happen at home. Yes, it was. Hey, let's move on to some notable numbers here, Coach, and I'll let you go first as our guest tonight. Yeah, I, I was just looking at the box score here. I just – 20 assists on 32 made uh, field goals. Uh, it Again, the offense that is run is, is pretty solid. They're not pretty solid. It is solid. And then you had uh, Garzon with five, and you had uh, Chloe with five, Sarah with four, Sydney with three, and, and you had um, – yeah, just those – that's what, 17 right there from your starting uh, guards and forwards. I, I just think when you share the basketball in the game uh, – in the game of basketball – when you share the basketball, good things happen. You, when you cut well, when you execute well, when you screen well, when you find the open person and make an ice pass and it leads to a basket, you are going to be tough to play against. And I'm probably old-fashioned that way. You know, you and I both are old-fashioned. I like that kind of movement uh, and movement of the ball, movement of players. And then it's just more efficient to me than the isolation basketball that has taken over in, in, in a lot of levels of basketball. But that 20 assist is the number that, that sticks out to me right away. Yeah, I'm going to go on the other side with the defensive part of it, Coach. And some of this is luck, you know, uh, and probably couldn't do it again if we really, really needed to. But we held Iowa last night to 18% three-point shooting. Way, way below their their usual number and and again some again part of us luck you know sometimes they're open you know players were open they miss shots there other times you know there have been times when as you mentioned caitlin clark has hit some wild kind of crazy shots when somebody's been right in her face and what do you do about that last night between the defense and a little bit of luck they held the most prolific scoring team in this country to 18 percent on threes Three of 16 from Caitlin Clark. I, I don't know that you're going to see that very often. And, and, you know, maybe someone wants to argue that she just had an off night. Well, she had an off night because she had to run around like crazy and saw four or five different people in her face. And when she caught, there was no room, you know, no room. And, and almost forced her to drive. And she made really nice plays off the drive when the help came. Just she's an excellent passer, too. Yep. And, and I know a lot of people have told me they can't stand her because of her all of her – attitudes and stuff but she is one heck of a of a basketball player the way she she plays the game you wish that she would cut out some of that but I think that's just part of the reason you know you, you see football players Deion Sanders had that about him and Ray Lewis had him about him and you kind of when you're playing against those those kind of elite players Angel Reese again for LSU you don't like him but you know what you have to admit that they're good basketball players but when she's three of 16 that's an odd odd number for her why because Indiana just guarded and wore her out and didn't give in to what she wanted to do and didn't let her do what she wanted to do. And she had trouble creating on her own. She was able to a couple times on some step-back threes and some drives to the basket and some back cuts. But re- really, she had no space all night. Uh, it's that old thing, was it, in uh, Hoosiers, I uh, just need you to know what 
kind of gum they're chewing or whatever defensively stick to your man. Well, I tell you what, if she was chewing gum, I guarantee you that we have some women's basketball players who know what flavor it was because they were really tight on her and took her out of her game. And that was key to holding this offensive juggernaut of the Hawkeyes down to 69 points. So, yes, yeah, the like- three-point shooting defense uh, and the effort there was more of the whole team defense than just the percentage, but that was a key in winning this basketball game. Along with the blocks, too. Yeah. This is where I want to bring in. Let's talk about Lexi Bargesa real quick while we're talking about the defensive side of it. Came in off the bench last night. She had started the last seven so games because of Sydney being hurt. Came in off the bench. And and she did a few things offensively. Hit a big bucket at the end of the first quarter. And I really thought that was big because it got IU the lead, you know, going into the second quarter. It was only one point. And people are like, well, it's just one point. But there, you've been there. There's that momentum that goes with making that buzzer beater that I thought carried into the second quarter. But I thought Lexi, for a sophomore who has not really been assigned to guarding players of Caitlin Clark's caliber usually, I thought she did a great job of making Caitlin have to work to get open. Yeah, uh, she was just part of the brigade that had yep. you know assignments on Caitlin all night, but she had four rebounds, uh, uh, and she had a steal, two assists along – I know we're talking defense here, but two assists, three of three shooting. And in 18 minutes, that that is what you want uh, from someone who was a, a, spot, a part-time starter due to injury and then coming off the bench. That is the kind of effort. And some of those things that you're talking about aren't on the stat sheet. Nope. Like she added to the, the tiredness or the, or the toughness on Caitlin Clark uh, with the times that she was assigned to guarding her. Those aren't – you don't have that statistic, but she was a part of that ready to do her job as – assigned once Sydney came back and got back in the starting lineup. And that's what you want from good team players. But she was part of that defensive brigade, and it shows across the board in in doing uh, that well statistically in 18 minutes. Coach, you got anything else numbers-wise you want to talk about? Um, The blocks were important too, nine blocks. I don't know. Someone had mentioned that might have been a, a record at some point. I don't know that for sure. I think that was uh, important. I think uh, one of the things that was a little stressful, and I don't know if these are average numbers or not, but for me, 15 turnovers um, looks a little high, but I don't know if, if – I'd, I'd like for you to maybe comment on that. They, uh, that that kind of stuck out to me uh, a little bit uh, if you're looking for something that was a little bit of a struggle. Coach Morin wants them to be around 12 a little under, okay. maybe 11. But this year they've been averaging about 14 to 15 a game. So they actually were okay. in the ballpark but uh, for their average. But in a game like this, those kind of turnovers can can really be a, a, a crucial thing. And last night at least it didn't turn out to be, but I get where you're going with that. Um, I'm going to go to the rebounding because this has been a team that at times struggles to rebound but seems to have found its rebounding game in the last month. Plus nine. Plus nine on the rebounds against Iowa last night. And and with that, and 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 you look at that, they only gave up eight offensive rebounds out of that. And and with that eight offensive rebounds, Iowa only had five second chance points. So I thought rebounding was a big number for them last night. Here, here's another one that I just looked at: points per possession for Iowa, point nine zero eight. Mm-hmm. That that kind of team with that kind of superstar, and you hold them under one, and, and almost almost at point nine. That is a that speaks to all the things we talked about defensively: the boxing one, the the face guarding, the multiple players, the rebounding, the blocks. Right there is is that stat that solidifies how 
how incredible uh, the women Hoosiers uh, played last night defensively. That That's just outstanding. Yeah, and I'll go also real quick to our field goal percentage because I was not a terrible defensive team, and we shot 51% for the game. Uh, actually, we make that 52% when you round it up, 51.6 to be precise. So, again, a lot of it was Mac. You know, she was shooting well inside, but you look at some of the others, Yarden was six. Well, it's 42, 42% from three, though, too, right? Yep, yep. Yep. Yep, solid. Good call. Yeah, yeah. So, the an all-around good. And it goes back to what you're saying. When this team moves the ball and moves people – it's really fun to watch. And, and coach, you, you know, you watch the X's and O's sometimes in a game a little more than I do, but I just, they ran it last night a couple of times. And we talked about the last time you were on, they run that little stagger double screen where they run somebody through and then they run Sarah Scalia through, and then they reverse it and on the same possession. And they just kind of flip it back to their side and they run that stagger and they'll bring Sarah. And that second action is every time seems like it gets Sarah wide open. Now she may not hit the shot, but that if I was going to get back into coaching, I would I would get that set because that that there's just so much good action in it. And if you fall asleep or somebody tries to cheat on it, there's some slip opportunities. And I mean, I, again, that, the shooting, I think the percentage with this team is one of the best in the country. They're first or second in the country, depending upon game to game here right now. But, you know, they just run some good action to get open shots and good shots. Yeah, bo- both programs ran good stuff, too. And I know this yep. is a doing the work in Indiana post game, but, but Ben, th- there were some really good back cuts uh, by Iowa against that box and one. And, and what you have here is when you have the top, you know, Ohio state's the top team in the big 10, you got some coaches that know what the heck they're doing. Right. And, and you have to put people in good positions to make the individual plays like offense. I don't believe offense scores points. I think offense puts offensive players in position to attack bad defense or bad closeouts or a defense that has been scrambling. And you have to move people with your offensive sets in order to get the defense one step out or a confusion, right? If you stand, everyone knows where they're going to go and they can predetermine where they're going and the scouting report really works. But when you move, staggered doubles are a big part of that. It's, it's really nice. Uh, I talked about screening the zone. They had to settle down. Coach Moran settled down the ladies at the end of the third quarter and went to some screening, different types of screening against the zone that they didn't do in the third quarter. And so the actions throughout the game, that's where a coach has to have. I've said this a lot at the high school level for us, at the college level, you have to have your thumb on the pulse of the team and you have to put them in the right actions. Uh, Most college teams, even the top number one seeds, it cannot just be player run strategically offensively and let them go and do whatever they want. You have to be able to move uh, people and, and move, uh, move the ball. And I just thought coach Moran did an outstanding job throughout the game in, in calling the things uh, that were needed at the right time. That goes back to my um, Mac plays too. They got the ball to Mac uh, at key times, even though it was really, really difficult because of Iowa's defense. But both coaches last night, I was really impressed with what they were running. Uh, I thought Iowa did a really good job uh, get, with their best player being face guarded of trying to run some action and get some other players. Uh, but Indiana shut that down, and that that's a key. When there's good action against you, you can still take that away uh, at key moments. Yeah. Anything else on the numbers, Coach, before we head into the game balls? I think I'm good on the numbers. 
All right. I'm good. So let's move in. Let's move into our game ball here. And for those who are watching on the live YouTube feed, uh, you'll see the scroll coming across the bottom. And right now, this award this year being dominated by Mackenzie Holmes. She has 11 so far on the season. Sarah Scalia with five. Uh, Sydney Parrish with three. Yarden Garzon with three. And Chloe Moore McNeil with three. So, Coach, you're our guest tonight. I'm going to let you go first to pick on the game ball. Man, I, I don't like you for that because I, how do you give a game ball to one particular person when there were contributions from every single person on the team? And they were valuable contributions. But you can't see – you got to go back to, to Mac. Uh, 24 points, 11 to 16, uh, hit both their free throws, nine rebounds, uh, four block shots – just an outstanding effort and was the go-to when they needed big baskets. And I think, again, it's a statistical thing and it's the best player for an evening, but the tone she set in the post game at Illinois. And then, you know, I'm sure she was part of the calling for the team meeting that we discussed. I yep. think I got to go with uh, McKenzie, but Sarah set the tone early and ended up with 25 points. Uh, Yarden, uh, didn't take any crap uh, from Caitlin Clark, and, and that added to it, plus her 15 points, her five rebounds, her five assists, two blocks and a steal. Like, how do you not give it to Yarden? So those three from a pure stat point, and then Chloe, Sydney, you know, you go right down, uh, right down the line, very, very important contributions, but it all centers, I think, around Mac, and, and the reason that some of those points were there as well for the other uh, players was because of the defense that Iowa had to play in trying to stop Mac, and she still got 24, but the Indiana players were ready to take advantage of any defense there and hit big shots. So I, I got to go with Mac. Yeah. I, I, and then this is a fun thing to have for, you know, to have this yeah, many ki players absolutely. to be able to, you know, to be able to like, Hey, we're going with, and, and our workaholics are kind of chiming in here, kind of opposite of where we are, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's, I think your first thing is you look at, at Sarah and Mac, and then you, as you mentioned, you start looking at yard and stat line. And like you said, yeah. 15 points, five rebounds, five assists. Um, she had two blocks as well. Um, and that's just one of those. And like I said, didn't, and I, like I said, I, for Yarden, she's such a stoic type player most of the time. And so for her to kind of be like, look, I wasn't talking to you keep your mouth shut and getting into it. I, it just kind of was so out of character for, her. I loved it though, but it just, she's such a, you know, a stoic player on the court, but I, I'm going to go with you. I think, I think Mac is the one I'm going to go with and she'll be our game ball winner tonight because just she set the tone from the standpoint of attitude. You could kind of see it in her persona when she walked out on the floor to start the game, the first couple possessions, even though Sarah got the points, it was Mac. It was Mac who seemed to really have a lot of the energy. She was really into the game um, from that standpoint. And so, again, it's a tough one tonight, but it's, it's one of those ones you, you kind of like to have on the show where you can go in any way, you, you know, a couple different directions. But we're going to go with Mac here tonight as a game ball here with Coach and I. So that'll give Mac her 12th game ball on the season, and even though the, the workaholics were uh, – wanting Sarah we're going to go with Mackenzie Holmes for our game ball so that'll take us to the Grace Berger hardest worker award and again if you're following along on the live YouTube feed you can see the scroll down at the bottom and that is now being led by Lexi Bargesser with six hardest worker awards and then you also have Sydney Parrish 
and Mackenzie Holmes with five, Chloe Mort McNeil with four, Sarah Scalia and Lene Beaumont with two each, and Lily Meister with one. And coach, I'll go first on this one since you didn't, you know, didn't want me to put you on the spot. Um, yeah, there's a number of kids you can go here. Well, you could go yard, you could go Sarah. You talked about Chloe. Um, we talked, I talked a little bit about Jules Lamondola off the bench. She played eight minutes and she had uh, three points, two rebounds. Uh, she had an assist. So again, I thought Jules played really well off the bench, but on this one, this is one where I'm going to go with Sarah. I, I just think Sarah, because not only just her points, but I liked what she brought. And, and, and again, I don't think she deserved the tech either, but I loved seeing the players have that chippiness with them last night and being like, we're not going to take any more crap. We're done being kind of meek and mild. We're going to stand up for ourselves and we're going to let you know that we can play some ball. And when you look at Sarah's stat line, you know, 25 points, four rebounds, uh, she had four assists. And, and, and so, um, you know, in 37 minutes, so I'm, I'm going to go with Sarah here. Uh, I can't disagree with you, but I'm going to go with Yarden. I thought uh, the key thing was when she stared down, as you said, uh, Caitlin Clark, and I don't think Caitlin was the same. I, I think uh, she put the fear in into her a little bit there. But I also think her stat line, uh, although, you know, the hardest worker and, and ours on our show is more of, a, you know, doing all the all the things that help win basketball, not not just stats. Yep. I do think some, some stats uh, show this. I, I, one steal – two blocks, five rebounds, and some key baskets at key moments. I just think that she uh, put in an effort. So how do we break a tie? Is that now to the workaholics or whatever to, to break the tie? But, it, again, it's a tough situation because I'm not against Sarah on this either. Uh, I thought she was a very hard worker and deserves the Grace Berger Award as well. So, But I just wanted to throw that out there and see what we do with the tie. Now we get usually we go to the workaholics and it looks like right now the workaholics are kind of agreeing with you. I see three, at least four yarding on the, uh, on the Grace Berger hardest worker. And I will say this, Kathy did text me last night and said that she would have voted for Yarden for the hardest worker. So if we really need to get down to a tiebreaker, if we can't get it with the workaholics, we'll go with, with Kathy as the uh, kind of the tiebreaker here. She'd also said she had Sarah for the game ball. So but she wasn't here. So anyway, uh, we didn't have a, a break. She's on that. vacation. She's on vacation, getting some sun. Um, but yeah. yeah, so I've got, I see, you know, like I said, we got three people in the workaholics voting for Yarden. So we're going to give it to Yarden for the the hardest worker tonight. Uh, uh, or, you know, for the game against Iowa. So congratulations to Yarden on her uh, game ball award that will give her, uh, I believe her first, actually, hardest worker award. Yeah, on of the, the scroll, yep. it looks yep. like it's her that's first. A, yep, another that's another reason I voted so. for her. We there need to get go. her on the scroll. Yeah. Um, so with that, so that's where we're going. All right. And again, some of the workaholics may disagree, but that's the beauty of having the show. And and also, again, a game like this where there were just so many players you could have chose from, uh, it, it, that's a great thing to have as an issue. So, um from that standpoint coach real quick uh we have a segment here i'm going to kind of take us through we refer to as now as record watch uh it started out as mac watch uh but here we are now uh mac is the all-time leading scorer in the women's history uh she now and i tweeted this out today and i put it in the Substack. one more point and she will tie steve alford for second all-time in iu scoring she is 176 points behind 
Calvert Cheney at this point. She's going to need some games. They, they got to make a little bit of a run, the Big Ten tournament and the NCAA tournament to catch up to to get, have really any shot at Calvert. But there is an outside shot there. Um, she had nine rebounds last night, which puts her up to 956 rebounds. 14 more will slide her into fourth place. And that's more than likely where she's going to end her career. The um, four blocks last night take her up to 23 for the season. She's at 246 for her career, and she needs 23 more blocks to become the all-time block shot leader. Then we've also been tracking Sarah Scalia. Her threes last night, her three threes take her up to 84 for the season. That's the single-season women's record already, but she needs 23 more to catch Steve Alford's all-time school record, which is 107. So we're, we're nearing in on some things. And then we talked a little bit about this the other day with Kathy when you, you weren't here, obviously. Um, she now has 1,886 points combined in her Minnesota and IU career. She needs 114 more points for 2,000. So that's our record watch for our fans who've been following along with us all year. Um, but so just, again, another outstanding thing. Um, the next game is going to be on Tuesday at Northwestern. That is a seven o'clock Eastern time start six central. That game will be on BTN and Northwestern. We're not going to spend a lot of time with Northwestern, not because we don't respect them or anything, but just, you know, coach hasn't probably followed them much, but we will say they're currently two eleven in the net. They're nine and 18 overall. Uh, they're three and 12 in the big 10 IU leads the all-time series 42 39 have won the last four including 100 to 59 in Bloomington on January 28th and Northwestern as a team has lost four in a row and they'll play Michigan tomorrow before we play them on Tuesday um, real quick and coach I know you had you were kind of looking at the run sheet but I'm going to kind of skip it down here a little bit big game last night or what we hoped would be a big game Ohio State went into Happy Valley and, and really was in control most of the night. It ended up a 13-point win, but they were in control. They improved to 14-1, and one, IU at 13-3, and three, Iowa at 12-3. and three. Those three have really separated themselves. They're pretty much locked in to the one through three seeds in the Big Ten tournament. Boy, look at that, that group down there starting with Nebraska, Michigan State, and Maryland, all kind of vying for that last four, that four seed that would get you the double bye. Yeah, and, and I will say this: the the women's uh, tournament is now a sellout. I, I saw that yeah. on social media today, and that is just fantastic. The advancement of women's athletics, uh, basketball wise, and at Indiana, the volleyball had a good season, softball, all kinds of things. But it's just really good to see the sellout crowd at, at Assembly Hall last night. But yes, the top three are going to be tough. It's going to make for an interesting semifinal again if Indiana and Iowa play play again. But I want to go jump back to the Northwestern. I I, I am on the men's side and I follow all of that. So I I watch the women, but I don't follow the whole Big Ten. You still got to play well Tuesday night. It, it, yes. it seems like one of those games that you can you can show up, but it's on the road. It's after an emotional charged game where you put everything out there, and. And you could probably afford a little bit of a less than your best effort. It sounds like because of of the you know who you're playing, and I'm not saying that it's a threat to necessarily lose, but you don't want to have up and down in your play. I don't know that you can you can copy what happened at Iowa because of the emotion and who you're playing and all of that, but you want to play basketball the right way. You don't want to have any letdowns because then that becomes 
uh, habitual. You had a loss at Illinois, uh, outstanding performance at Iowa, and then if you have a really poor performance – and even in a win, you don't want that up and down as you end your season trying to win a Big Ten tournament or a Big Ten conference regular season or tournament championship and then heading into the NCAAs. So this is another time for senior leadership to come on and say, yes, we're going on the road. We're not in our own confines. Yes, on paper, it looks like we should be okay. But you play against the game Tuesday night. Yep. And you want to improve on the things that Coach Morin is going to find that the ladies didn't play well. And you have to have that mindset of every game matters how you play. There are no nights off uh, because there are only a few more uh, games uh, available and you have some high aspirations as far as advancing in tournaments. So Tuesday night's a big game, uh, no matter who Indiana is playing, in my opinion. Yeah, and Coach, I want to bring in some bracketology. I know you don't do women's bracketology, but you, you're familiar with the net from the men's side of it. Um, it just seems like like IU won last night. They jumped about – I think they jumped four spots I saw this morning in the net, went from 17 to 13. You're talking about going up to Northwestern. Ideally, if you can, going up to Northwestern on the road, it's not a quad one or a quad two type win, but you really kind of almost need a blowout. You, you know, and, and so dudes, on the men's side and on the women's side this year, it seems like the net really rewards big wins. Does the men's side do that as well? Yeah. I, first of all, I'm a big proponent of the net versus the RPI. I think it's better uh, on our side. When you look at the RPI list versus the net list, the net has the teams that I think are better at more at the top than, than the RPI, yeah. but it still has its flaws. And, and, and we're, you know, in in all society now, we always point out the next. It's a pretty good metric, but it's not perfect. And one of the one of the less than perfect uh, pieces of that is it does seem to reward uh, the the blowouts because here's what it does: it rewards offensive efficiency and defensive efficiency numbers. And those numbers, I don't think, are either capped or uh, against the opponent. Uh, the I don't know how adjusted they are like some of these other stats, but you should adjust them to who and where you play. And I don't know that they are, but your offensive in a blowout against a bad team, your offensive numbers of points per possession are going to be high on offense and your points per possession on defense are going to be low just because of who you play. And, and so I don't know that that, I don't know all the math formula and I'm not a math guy, but I, I would like to see some, some formula where it does take, your offense, your adjusted offensive efficiency is a little bit better, um, and, and the reason you jump too is you don't know how close you are. If you're 17 and you're statistically just a, a .01 away from 16 and 15, you have a nice win like that. Then you jump 17 to 13, and other times you don't jump. It's really because of the margin of difference between 17, 16, 15, and 14, which is not published. It's just the the number on the side. Gotcha. So it is. Um, the net is good, but that you have picked the one outlier that I'm not appreciative of because it does seem uh, that there are some teams that benefit from playing bad schedules and blowing people out. I do think the women need to win. If you win double digits or more, and, and that, I think 10 win points to 15 might be a struggle game, it sounds like, um, if they won by that margin that you mentioned earlier, uh, I think they would be okay and maintain there because it's mm -hmm. on the road. Uh, double digits or better is, is what I would encourage coaches to do, uh, to try to do in, in these situations. Don't, don't, don't get a nail biter or, or lose or those things, but yeah, that's what happens in the net. And that's, 
I didn't explain it real well because I don't know that I understand it real well. But that is an issue. You, you, I thought you I thought you explained it really well, and I appreciated the answer. The other thing too that bothers me a little bit in the net coach, and I don't know, I want to get your opinion on this because again, I, you you do such a great job with Delphi bracketology and everything with the player, the kids over at Delphi, and I really look forward to seeing your brackets when you release them. But the one issue I kind of have with the net is you might play somebody that's a quad one when you play them. And then all of a sudden they go bad and they end up in a quad two, quad three. Probably that's probably worst case scenario. And now they're at the end of the year, they're kind of judging you as a, that's like a quad two or quad three. I'd like to see them be able to judge those wins by where they happen or losses by where they happen when you played them. What were they when you played them? Is that something more yeah. on the men's side they fixed? I don't know. No, it, 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 it is the same thing. But what, what I think I have learned over the years is that the committee studies this stuff more than even us bracketologists study this stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean, they, they are constantly looking at synergy numbers and all of this stuff. So they know, you know, when a quad one, a, a team that was a 75 falls to a 76 and that, so it becomes a quad one, a quad two win versus a quad one win. They're well aware of the quality of wins and their team sheets and the information that they have throughout the year. And when they go into those committees, they share uh, about conference schedules and injuries more than, uh, you know, uh, so-called uh, so experts in the bracketology world. So I think it, 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 becomes, it becomes relatively fair, and some of those issues are washed out in the detail of their discussion and their debate. You may have a 9-3 vote, and three of people are saying, well, they only had two quad two wins, where the other people are like, well, no, but that quad two is really a, you know – it was a quad one when they played. The opposite happens, too. I just read something about UCLA. If you beat UCLA at the beginning of the year, they were like 212. Now they're all the way up to 100 and climbing. They could end up being in the 75 range. And so you beat them when they were really bad. But if they end up good at the end of the year, you get a good win at, at the beginning. I do think um, – but I also – all the dates are on the team sheet. So when you play someone is there, and if it came down to your team getting ahead of another team because of the difference between UCLA at the beginning and at the end, I, I think that is at some point at least shared and, and maybe yeah. a part of the process for the 12. Uh, I, I really think the committees do a great job. I, I know as soon as it's announced on the men's side, everyone complains, and Dickie V goes, oh, this team, you know, and I love Dickie V, but, oh, this is a poor yeah. team, and, and you'll see uh, – announcers every team they cover is in a tournament team well you can't tell me this team's not a tournament team it's just false false advertising you can only have 68 teams right but i really do think the committee does uh, a a really really good job there's always a one or two seeds that i think should have gone differently but we forget it's a 12 member committee and it, it's not a, a stated criteria or a scoreboard so at some point seven to five votes win and the committee right. could agree with everyone who's complaining about a seed or who got in and really know that it was just seven people who thought it's yeah. So I really commend the committee. And I, I used to be a complainer until I started doing the work and know how hard it is. And so yep. now I'm a little more appreciative of, of how that all plays out. 
So, well, I appreciate your input here for our fans who sometimes wonder because, yeah. like right now, Charlie Cream kind of has IU women bouncing back and forth between a four and a five. You know, and, and yeah. the MCAA when they released it last week released their preliminary IU was at number fifteen, so kind of that borderline number four, and 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 so there was a lot of concern about whether they'll hold on to that protected seed here in the women's side. I will it. tell you this, Coach, beating Iowa, a number four team, should really do wonders if they if they I don't know what the rest of Indiana's schedule is but when you win that quality of win that really matters to the committee whether it's at home or or away um Indiana men had two wins against Purdue who was a number one seed they got jumped up to a four seed so those wins their net was 30 at the time of the of the release and usually that's seven or eight seeds. So so quality wins boosted the men up yesterday. That win right there really does offset the Illinois loss. Cool. Uh, sure. And so I would say that they're definitely still at that 15, if not even a little bit higher. I think the win is a bigger plus than the Illinois minus. So the net should be a little bit of a gain. And it depends on what 14 and 13 and teams 12 did right. too, right, if, if there was a loss in there as well. But I think – I would be shocked if they're not the 15 or higher that the committee revealed after a week of, of that kind of performances. Yeah. And I don't know if they'll do another reveal before the tournament or not. So probably not. They usually do one, do one on both okay. sides. So coach, Coach, we've talked about bracketology a little bit and I appreciate you explaining the net for our fans, but let's get to you for final thoughts here about last night's game. Just a fantastic viewing experience. I wasn't in the hall. I, I've seen a lot of comments from people who have been in there. It had to be spectacular. It, it, it's what uh, Assembly Hall is uh, with basketball, and the women are providing it. And just very, very pleased with the emotion, uh, the dedication, the just the way they played the game. And it was a big, big win for the program this year. And, and when you stack years like this over and over and over again, you have a good culture led by a fantastic coach. But it was just uh, so enjoyable uh, to, to watch this team and really enjoyable from bouncing back from Monday's performance. You just like people who can handle adversity and they come back and they fight with toughness and they don't just hang their head because things didn't go their way on Monday. And to beat Caitlin Clark and the Iowa Hawkeyes the way they did in a dominating fashion, not just win, not just a final shot that went in, they dominated and they shut Caitlin Clark down. Uh, they didn't shut her up because I think that's hard to do, but they shut her down. Uh, and, and so just, just congratulations and good luck and keep plugging and going forward. Don't, don't take some steps back now. You got a huge win. Go in. Try to win that Big Ten tournament and then get ready for uh, some wins. But overall, just a very, very uh, pleasing and exciting game to watch. Yeah, and I, I, I'll just echo a lot of those same thoughts as as Patrick Swayze, Patrick Swayze would have said, "Ditto." Um, you know, it just is. You know, the thing is, you get the feeling that. Again, they, we talked about the players only meeting, but you get the feeling that the coaches trust the players and the players trust the coaches. And yes, they didn't play well on Monday, but they trusted each other to be able to right the ship 
and get back. And again, no guarantee you were going to win last night, but you knew just in my heart, I knew last night the effort was going to be better than it was Monday. And to me, that's the most important thing as a fan. I want to see the, the team play hard. I want to see them diving. I want to see them being active. I want to see them play with, as you said, some emotion and coach, I want to get your thoughts on this real quick before we get out of here. I meant to ask it to you earlier. I had it in my notes off to the side for my money. No disrespect to Ohio State because I think Ohio – I said at the beginning of the season, I thought Ohio State was the best team in the league on paper, and if they stayed healthy, they'd probably be the best best team in the league. But for my money, this Iowa and Indiana rivalry in, in women's basketball is the best in the Big Ten. And if you see these two teams play on Saturday in the Big Ten tournament, that game, to me, has rock'em, sock'em robots written all over it. But what do you think about, you know, my in my opinion, that uh, this is maybe the best rivalry in the, in the Big Ten women? Well, it's two and two in the last four games, and, and you have uh, two of the best college players in the game on each side, in, in Mackenzie Holmes and Caitlin Clark, and then you have outstanding, you know, players around those two. Uh, I think you're absolutely onto something there. And you know, when you have quality teams going toe to toe, you're going to have that kind of rivalry uh, created, and it's it's good to have in in the women's game. I totally agree with you. I think it's very good for the women's the the overall part of the women's game. So. Uh, appreciate your thoughts there on that coach. I really do. And we'll try to head on out of here and get everybody to sleep at a decent hour here on a Friday night. All right. So coming up next, uh, we'll return. We'll be back. Women play on Tuesday, but Kathy's still on vacation. I actually am going, and, and also I believe the men play Tuesday night, right, Coach? Yes, basically, at 7 o'clock. Yeah, they're both basically playing at the same time. Uh, the women are on the road at Northwestern, so the men must probably be at home. Yeah, against uh, Wisconsin. Okay, so so, but Kathy's still on vacation. We figured doing or uh, AC's probably going to be doing something live after the game, and and with that, um, so we're actually going to go a couple days later. The boys' sectional start here in Indiana next week. I have a radio game on Wednesday, so we're actually going to have our post game show for the Northwestern game on Thursday, a, uh, a couple days after the game. That show time will be eight Central, seven or excuse me, eight Eastern, seven Central, and we're just going to do a quick show on Northwestern because then obviously AC Radio will probably be on right after we get done speaking of assembly call will be on tomorrow that's saturday after the penn state game and it's gonna be coach and i we're gonna be doing basically two shows here in right back in at you eight, yeah right back at us in about 18 hours so coach and i will have the the show tomorrow on assembly call for the post game show after the penn state game um I, i'm roughly two o'clock eastern one central right coach that yeah the, well the game starts at noon so our yeah. show will be on pr roughly around two a little after Eastern. Yeah. 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 That's what I thought. Um, so if you want to see us do the show live and be a part of the live chat, the workaholics, make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's youtube.com slash at, and that's the at symbol at back home network. Again, youtube.com slash at back home network. You can be a part of our private community as well. Find out more at assemblycall.substack.com. Special thanks to John Ringer of Rig Design for uh, designing our logos. Also a big thank you to Bob Thompson for our music that you heard throughout the evening. And also thank you, all of our fans out there listening. We'll be back to talk IU hoops again with you on Thursday night. And then until then, keep your elbows in, your eyes on the rim, and go Hoosiers.
And real quick, Eagle Eye, I just saw your comment. Uh, the Big Ten Women's Tournament is in Minneapolis this year, and as Coach mentioned, they just announced earlier today that it is sold out for all sessions, I believe. He, he also asked where the women's Final Four is. Oh, okay. I saw a big Final know. Four. I just thought I meant, yeah. yeah. I'm not sure where the women's Final Four is this year. I can't think off the top of my head. I don't know. I guess I could Google it real quick. Cleveland, I think. Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse? Yep. Sounds Back right. Cleveland. So, but anyway, Coach, I appreciate you being on with me tonight. Hey, it's a, it's a pleasure. I appreciate what you and Kathy have done. Uh, a big part of, uh, you know, supporting the women's program. They deserve every every second of it, and it was uh, it's just always fun. And always talking yeah, hoops it, with you, which I get to do in about uh, fourteen hours. We get to talk a little more, a little more hoops. Let's hope we have a back to back happy episodes. That would be nice. I hope so because I've been, I've I've done two maybe three sh- two shows so far with AC Radio AC Assembly Call post games, and I've had losing effort. So I feel like I'm the <laughs> the bad mojo coming here. Well. You know, I'm waiting for the guys to kick me off the show because ever since I've been a full-time uh, host, I don't think we've gone to the N- – well, we've gone to the NCAA tournament twice, but we haven't had good basketball, you know. So <laughs> the last Big Ten title was before 2016. I was just behind the scenes, and so they yeah. asked me to come on in 17. And, you know, we've been through a couple coaches since then. So, But, no, I, I, I we always root for wins, and yep. we'll talk about it no matter what. So get a good night's it's sleep, everybody. Bad. Get some donuts in the morning. We're making a donut run down to the Rossville Bakery that we like. I'll be primed and ready to roll. Good night, everybody. Good night.